we're going to do something that I've never done before in this church. I'm going to preach a message with somebody. He is a brother in Christ. He was with us four years ago, right before he planted his church in Medford, Massachusetts. Uh, and he's going to help me speak to our current cultural moment. I want you to give a big welcome to Pastor Zenzo Matoga from Impact Church in Medford, Massachusetts. Come on out, Zenzo. Hey. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so Zenzo uh, started Impact Church with his wife and family four years ago. Yeah. Uh, about five years ago, you were at our old building, yes. and you preached and uh, set the house on fire, and we decided that we were going to help you plant your church in Medford, far away from us, because I wanted to keep my church. <laughs> if you were in the neighborhood, they'd all go to your church. So he's <laughs> an awesome preacher, awesome man of God. Welcome to Waters Church. Hey, so good to be here today. Waters Church, how are you doing this morning? Amen. Afternoon. Well, I want to say thank you to your pastor, Pastor Tim, and I want to say thank you to you guys. I love your pastor so much. He's, he's my brother right here. I'm, I'm the chocolate. He's the vanilla. Amen. <laughs> but I prefer chocolate. And I prefer vanilla, by the way. <laughs> That's why we hang out. But uh, yeah, he saw me at a meeting one time. And then just a few days after that, he said, can you come preach at my church? I'm like, man, this is a wild man. He doesn't even know me. <laughs> but you entrusted me with your platform four times and taught the word of God. After that, you said, hey, man, we're going to pay half of your rent for the first year of your church. And I wanted to cry. I wanted to run. I wanted to flip out. I was flipping out on the inside. <laughs> and uh, it was such an encouragement and in just four years, we gather over 1,000 people, and 2,000 people have given their lives to Jesus. Amen. Come on, help me celebrate Amen. somebody. Amen. <laughs> to God be the glory. Now, I want to clarify, I didn't pay half of the rent. You, through your tithes and offerings, did. And yeah. that's why you give. That's right there why you give. Uh, because we take a tenth of all that comes into this house, and we give it to other gospel preaching churches and organizations such as Impact Church. It was a pleasure to provide that because of your faithful giving. So yeah. your tithes, keep it coming because we see gospel mission beyond ourselves. You're up above us, up above uh, Boston. We're to the south. You save them in the north. We'll get them in the south. Yeah. We'll bring them to heaven Come together. On. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Amen. So we're in a cultural moment, and it's a moment that I don't think the church should just like try to get over as soon as possible. I think that there's this tendency, this, you know, the George Floyd uh, murder, the, um, the, high, the heightened tension of racism, the discussion about this in their culture, and there might be a temptation to say, let's just get past this because it's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. I want the church to speak to this issue because if we don't speak, all you hear is the world speaking. So we're going to do that together, my brother and I, and uh, we had a phone conversation that led to this moment. Um, and you're going to really be blessed from this content. I really believe it. I believe it's necessary and timely. But we've got the Word of God first to go to, as we always do. So would you stand with us? And we're going to read the Word of God the way we did during quarantine with the videos. So this is really cool. You're going to hear half me reading it and half Zenzo reading it from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 21. Uh, this is the reading of God's Word. Watch the video. We'll be right back. 2 Corinthians 5, through 21. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. 
We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Father, we thank you for this moment, and we thank you for Jesus, who through his shed blood has made a way for us to be reconciled back to you and then to one another. We ask that this next few moments, that we that they are governed by your Holy Spirit, that our hearts are open, our minds are receptive, and our eyes, our spiritual eyes, see Jesus. Him and him only. In his mighty name we pray, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. Have a seat. So, we are uh, excited to get this conversation started, a little bit of a hybrid, conversation and preaching. And... um, like I said earlier, this moment has been the, the impetus behind this moment was a phone call that I made to Zenzo. Right now, uh, with all the heightened tension around race relations in America, there is this, um, there is this you know, movement to protest. There's this movement to march. I get that. But for me, it was, I just felt like God was saying, have as many conversations as possible with people who don't look like you. And so one after another, and I've done that more this past three weeks than ever before in my life, and it has been life-giving, it has been illuminating, and in many ways it has been disturbing and shocking because there's something about America that white people don't see. We just don't see it. And it's hard for white people to admit that, but we need to start admitting it, and we need to actually listen to people who are not like us, who don't look like us, I'm sorry, because there is a difference. I've said this from the pulpit, when I've said it, it's because it's born out of experiences that I've heard from. One of those experiences is uh, what Zenzo is about to share with you. So I-, I want us to get to right to that. Let Zenzo take this moment and share with me those stories, but, but just start us off here in terms of this conversation. Amen. Hey, so good to be here. I want to start off on this note. I am more hopeful than ever before uh, that God is doing a new thing in the world, that God is doing a new thing in America that racism is going to be crushed in Jesus' name. Amen. Because the church is rising up. Come on, yes, let's celebrate the Lord. Amen. Yeah, with that said, you know, I, 
My name is Zenzo Matoka. I'm a reverse missionary from Africa, from Malawi Woo. to the United States. Amen. America needs missionaries too. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I, I came here back in 1998, and when I came to America, I thought that racism was a thing of the past. I heard of Dr. Martin Luther King, and I thought this is something that Dr. King had crushed. It was a back in the days type thing. Uh, I came to America after I'd watched a movie called Beverly Hills Cop, Eddie Murphy. So I thought I, thought I was going to see some palm trees when I landed here. <laughs> Wrong section. Wrong. <laughs> and there was no palm trees. I came in December 98. I came in the midst of Wrong the winter. Time. Come on, yeah. somebody. And, uh, but I, I had this different expectation, right? And, 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 I'll never forget the first brush with racism that I had. I was shocked. I just, I couldn't believe this was happening. Uh, I was in a singing group, um, and we were in Atlanta, Georgia, in the south. We went to a hotel, and uh, we were first in line. And, and I was surprised when this hotel attendant was not serving us and serving the other people. And, and I said something to him. I said, hey, man, uh, we've been here. We, we were first in line. And he said to me, Hey man, once you guys stand to the just stand to the side, we're gonna serve these people, and when we are done with them, maybe if we have time, we might serve you. It didn't make sense to me, but then I checked the line, and it just it just it just dawned on me, right? Have you ever been in a moment where you're like, yes, this is happening, and, and it just dawned on me because everybody in the line was white. Uh, part of me was in denial. So we waited on the side and then we went back and said, hey man, we're tired, we can't, we flew from Boston. We're here to preach the gospel through music. We just wanna go upstairs, take a shower, take a nap and, and get ready for the night. And he said, man, I told you already that I'm gonna serve these people and when we're done, we might serve you. And I said, man, I don't think that's right. We've been here. He called the police on us and when the police came, I said, I was actually happy that he called the police because I thought, okay, he will hear our story. And to my surprise, the police told us he wasn't interested in hearing our story, that we needed to leave. They took our bags, put them in the parking lot. It hurt, but my friends and I, I was with four other guys. They're much taller and bigger than me. They're teddy bears. We were just laughing, right? We thought this was funny, but it hurt on the inside. We were laughing and we were like, hey, maybe, maybe we're like Jesus now. We're being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. We're going to go to heaven. But inside, deep within, it was, it was painful. And I told Pastor Tim that what hurt me the most that day wasn't even the ignorance of this guy who kicked us out. It, it was the fact that there were people who were standing in line that day that took our place and never said anything. Yeah. That's so tough to hear. And it's... For us in New England, we immediately, because this is what I do, we immediately say, well, that's the South. See, the South has this problem. Uh, thank God I was born up here in the North where we got over racism. In fact, the North fought, it was 250,000 white boys fought to end slavery. And so there's this sense of Northern pride, like we got over this. But you told me a second story. And this one up in Somerville, Massachusetts, which to me, this story probably hurts a little bit more but it's important for us to hear, and it's even a more recent story, a story that, that really got to me, and I'd, I'd like you to share that story. Because this story, this could have been on the news, and if it hadn't been for the Spirit of God in you, uh, it probably would have been on the news. 
and um, speak to that, share that story. Yeah, so this story I'm going to tell you was not a laughing matter. And at this point, I was married. Uh, if I can take a quick, let me call it a commercial break, and show you my beautiful family. <laughs> we'll put it up on the screen here. There picture. we go. That's my family right there, y'all. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm married to a beautiful Italian-American woman. Uh, Britney Spears got nothing on her. <laughs> You can tell I'm old, but she's Italian. I'm so glad I still have both my kneecaps because she got a little bit of that mafia spirit inside of her, but, but I love her so much. But this next story happened when I was married. And as you can tell, my world is, 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 is so beautiful. There's, there's white, there's black. When we have Thanksgiving dinner, it's, it's everybody there. But what's interesting is that when I'm on the streets, that's not how I was treated. Uh, a cop stopped me in Somerville because I had a broken taillight. I didn't even know. Uh, when he stopped me, I saw the fear in his eyes. It was an older man, a short, bald-headed man, white man, I'd say in his late 50s. That's my, that's my guess. Uh, he stopped me and you could see the fear, you could see the hatred, hand on his gun. Long story short, he started calling me the N-word and calling me a monkey, and I just, I couldn't believe this was happening. I thought, is, does this even happen, like, anymore? Yeah. And uh, I, I was shocked, yet again, coming from Africa, I was very naive that this still happens. And uh, he pretty much was telling me, make me do this, make me do this, and calling me the N-word, he wanted me to react so that whatever, he can do whatever he wanted to do. And the first thing I thought about was, man, I want to make it home to my family. That's the first thing I thought about. My wife is the first thing I thought about. She loves that part of the story. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, and I thought about my kids. I want to get home. But I was so overwhelmed with fear. I thought, man, this, this could be it. And, and then it's like the Holy Spirit came upon me. The power of God came upon me. The grace of God came upon me. And I knew I had to say something. I was going to fight for my life. So I looked at him straight in the eye and I said, sir, I want you to know that I'm for you. I want you to know that I respect you. I want you to know that I'm not going to do anything here that's, that's out of violence or anything. anything. I'm, not, I'm not saying my words exactly the way I said it, but this was the content of what I was saying. And I said to him, and I want you to know one thing is going to happen today. Both you and I are going back home to our families. Because you love your family and I love my family. I am for you. I respect you. Whatever you want to do, I'm here and I'm going to comply. And to my surprise, he still continued to call me the N-word and, and call me monkey and all these different things. And I, and I kept telling him, sir, you're not going to get the reaction you're looking for from me. I respect you. I honor you. And, and then I could tell that I, I had diffused the situation. Uh, he, could, he, he had his hand off the gun, but he just kept talking. And you could tell at this point he was just still acting out of pride, you know, and, and kept talking. And, and then I say to him, sir, I'm telling you I am for you. I'm telling you I honor you. I'm telling you I respect you. Why do you keep calling me these words? Uh, and then he said to me, hey, I can let you go because of this, but because I can, I'm going to tow your car just because I want to do this. At that point, I didn't mind. I didn't care. I just was happy that I, I was going to make it home. When I got home, I didn't tell my wife right away. She knew something was wrong. Uh, I, I believe that racism is designed to shame you. Yeah. You know, I felt like, I felt ashamed that this even happened. I felt like 
people won't believe me. My wife won't believe me. And for a long time, I felt like people would, not, would never believe me. Uh, and my wife was like, what's wrong? I can tell something is wrong. And, and I said, for a little while, I said, there's nothing wrong. At some point, she said, you got to tell me. I know there's something wrong. Did I do something? Are you talking to somebody else? <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. Then at that point, I said, I'm going to tell her. I'm going to tell her what happened. She got upset. She said, did you, did you uh, take the badge number? Did you, you know, we have to call Somerville police. We have to complain. We have, I'm going to do this. And I said, honey, please don't do that. If you do that, then I'm going to live in, I'm going to, live my life in fear. You, you don't tell on the police. Let's, let's just pray. We began to pray and we began to ask God to give us the grace to forgive this man. And my wife, who was 26, year, 26 years old at the time, white American, said, honey, I've grown up in America my whole life and I never knew that this happens. Uh, and I know if you're white here today that there may be a possibility you, you didn't even have an idea that this happens. But racism is real. But I'm more hopeful today than ever before because the church is rising up. Pastor Tim is rising up. Waters Church is rising up. And this thing is going to be destroyed in Jesus' name. When uh, Zenzo shared that story with me, I, I, it was shocking. It was painful. Because as a man, you don't want to be shamed like that. You work hard as a man. You, you want to be respected. The number one need, I always tell the church, the number one need of a man is respect. Fem a female, she needs to be protected. And, and respect is our love language. That's why the scriptures are clear. Submit to your husbands and respect them. Why is that the rule? Because that's, it, that's the biggest need of his life. And I can't imagine, you know, as, as a young kid, I, I've told this story, uh, I think, on the deep end I told it, but... I was uh, profiled to being a, a, a kid who was stealing blank cassettes in the back of a radio shack at age 14, and they patted me down and humiliated me. And you know, when that happens at 14, that's one thing, but when you're a grown man with a wife and children at home, and you're basically told or assumed to be something that you're not, you're disrespected, you're shamed, that, that got to me. And I thank you for sharing that story, because we need to hear we need to know this is happening. And as the church, we need to stand up and say, this is sinful. This is a disgrace. This man beside me bears the image of my Father in heaven. When I see him, I see a beautiful creature made in the image of my Father in heaven. And I see a brother in Christ through the blood of Jesus. And if we don't speak, if we don't say something, if we don't have conversations, would just be oblivious to this reality. The world right now is crying out for a solution to this. And that's why we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it. We have to address it. We have to call it what it is. Racism is sin. But there's a deeper thing at work that, that creates racism, a hatred and animosity. It happens right there in the, in the first two brothers on the, on the planet, Cain and Abel. One hates the other, not because of the color of his skin, but for other reasons. And the hatred for another human being in the human heart is not the product and not the language of heaven. It is the product of the devil. And it seeks to divide us. And right now, it's 2020. It's a huge campaign year, political year. It's just noise. And this issue is going to be used for politics, for power. 
So the church has to speak up and say, um, we're, we're not concerned about who's in the Oval Office. We're concerned about who's in the heart of each and every single human being. And, and our job is to preach Jesus and, and the blood of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus so that this kind of thing can happen and brothers from another mother can show the world we are one in a greater name than any other name on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. So you say you're, you're hopeful. That was the first thing that you said to me on the phone was, or on the Zoom call was, I'm more hopeful than ever before in my life. And you can speak to that because you, again, you're from another country. You came yeah. here. Yeah. I'm from another country, but I've lived here 20 years. And uh, the enemy has managed to keep this problem a secret. That's the thing. Um, even myself as a black person with some of the experiences I've gone through in this nation, you, you don't talk about it, right? I, I, I never even taught other brothers who are black because it's so humiliating. But I believe what God is doing right now is that he's exposing the enemy. He's doing a new thing. You know, I, I taught Pastor Tim, I, I, I don't drive in the night. It's not a wise thing for me to drive in the nighttime. And if I go to minister somewhere and I know that I'm going to be driving home late, I'll bring one of the brothers in our church who's white because I, I happen to pastor an incredible cross-cultural church. You will find everybody, everybody there just like this church. But uh, it's, it's just not a wise thing for me to drive in the night. If this kind of cop had, had uh, if I had this encounter in the nighttime, I don't know that I, I'd have survived. And so it is a real thing and the enemy has kept it a secret, but I am so glad that God is exposing racism now, and I'm so glad that the church is Amen. rising up. I'm so glad that we're doing this right now. Amen. And thank God for men of God like Pastor Tim and a church like this that's rising up to take responsibility because racism is a sin issue. Racism speaks against the message of the church. Go ye and make disciples of all nations. Racism undermines the hope of heaven. Yes. Revelation says all tribes, come on somebody, yes. all tongues, all nations, yes. around the throne of grace, worshiping and singing to the glory of God. Amen. So I'm more hopeful more than ever before. So in our scripture, Paul says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, verse 11, we persuade others that to know God is to fear God, to honor him. And then in order to, in, in order to truly honor God from verse 11, he says, we persuade others. It's the job of the church to speak in persuasive ways about truth. Truth that will bring us together, not further divide us yeah. and clump us into our little localized sociological groups. The devil is the author of division. Yeah. Remember, before creation, he divided heaven's angel army. He divided one-third of the army away from God in the throne of heaven. He is the author of division. He's the author of us versus them. Secondly, he's the author of confusion, and there's a lot of confusion around this issue right now. Yeah. There's confusion in how we address this issue. There's, there's ignorance, but there's also a lot of um, fogginess about why yeah. there's these problems. Yes. So we hear a term like systemic racism. And I get it, there, is, there's this, there, are, there have been in history, and if you do any research about it, concerning uh, black people in this country, there have been intentional, systematic things that have been put in place, whether by laws or economics, that have segregated, post-segregation, post-Civil post War, black people from white people, intentionally. 
but there's something underneath that. That's just the fruit. And we have to remember this as Christians. Jesus said, make the tree good and the fruit will be good. Our world is trying to dress up rotten fruit. Our world is trying to make the racist cop less racist. You can't. He's a racist or the racist person or whatever. And by the way, it's both ways. There's not just white racism. There's black racism. There's racism. And there's not just racism. There's classism. There's socioeconomic isms. People we look down on. James talks about that. A man comes in with tattered clothes and you tell him, go sit on the floor over there. But then the rich guy comes in and you say, sit here in the prime position. That's, That's... against the law of yeah. God yeah. as an affront to the gospel. Jesus died for all people. Yeah. And it's time for the church to stand up and speak out on these issues yeah. and to do what's necessary to learn and converse and then persuade people that the real problem yeah. is not racism. The real problem is our sinful hearts. That Jesus came to cleanse from sin so that we could see ourselves as friends of God and then brothers of each other, sisters, brothers, family together, one in Christ. And that's what Paul says here. So he says, we're not commending ourselves. And then he says, if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. And then verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live must no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And then verse 16, I love this line. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. In another translation, it says in a human perspective, from a human perspective. We don't, we don't see black people from the sense that our world wants us to be, see them. We see them as what they are, people who need Christ. And black people don't see white people as, as, as oppressors. They must see people who are white as people who need Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's at the end of the day. The only hope for this is Christ, yeah. That's it. That's the it. one who reconciles That's us it. back to God and then reconciles us That's it. to each other. That's it. That's it. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 26, God said, let us make man in our own image. Why did he say us? It's Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're spirit. So Pastor Tim and I are spirit first. Made out of one race, the humankind from God. Made from one man, and his name is Jesus. So we are spirit first. I am not a black man first. I'm a spirit man that just happens to live in this yes. beautiful African container. Amen. About That's right. <laughs> Amen. You, you said in the first service, yeah. it's dirt. We're it's talking dirt. about dirt. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. He created spirit first, then he stooped down to the ground and formed the clay of the ground. And there's white dirt in Hawaii. There's different kinds of dirt. And it's amazing that the whole world is fighting over dirt. Come on, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. God is doing a new thing, and I just believe that it's time for the church to rise up, take its rightful position in the name of Jesus, no longer remain silent in the name of Jesus. This is not a black person. This is not a black problem. This is a this is humanity's problem. Human problem. This is not a fight between white versus black. No. Somebody. No. This is a fight. Of humanity against evil. Yes. And come on, God is rising up and we're going to win in Jesus' name. Come on. You said on the phone to me, if we save 3,000 young girls from sex trafficking, but we don't bring them to Jesus, all we do is temporarily suspend their suffering. That's it. 
Think about that. That's true. You got to get a hold of this. This can't be an optional thing. You can't fall for the lie that the church is just trying to improve lives. We're not, we're not in the, yes, the fruit of the gospel taking root in your heart will improve your life. I guarantee that. But that's not the goal of the church. The goal of the church is to take people out of the kingdom of darkness and transfer them into the kingdom of his marvelous light and secure for them an eternal hope in heaven. That's the message. That's our mission. And the world will clamor for temporary relief. Let's get rid of systemic racism. Okay, I'm all for that. But it's just temporary relief. There's an eternal hell. There's an eternal justice. You want to talk about justice? There it is. When Jesus comes, every right will be, every wrong will be made right. Every sin will be exposed and judged. And here's the hope for the Christian. Here's the hope for anybody. That if we are in Christ, we are new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. We are part of the eternal family. Our sins have been paid for. So when we talk about these things, we can't talk about these things without talking about the gospel. We can't talk about healing racism and taking on this sin without dealing with the root of the issue, the root of the human heart. Yeah, it's a hot issue. That's why I believe that the responsibility for justice is with the church because justice is a person and his name is Jesus. Yes, amen. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And... Uh, Verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I love this. It says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 18. That's why we, we can't neglect this. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. Yes. And that word ambassador, let's talk about it. That's a heavy word. You know, you think about it. If you were an ambassador for the United States in New Zealand or Zimbabwe or something like that, and you were in, you know, the embassy there as a representative of this government, could you imagine the weight on your shoulders to say, I have to represent an entire country to a, to a foreign country? And, and there's a, I'm sure there's quite a bit of uncomfortability yeah. with that responsibility. There's a lot of work yeah. that is entailed in that responsibility. Um, we said this in the last service that for white people, it, it might feel uncomfortable yeah. to hear stories like this. Yeah. It might feel powerless too. Yeah. Say, what do I do now? Like, what do I do about that? And, and, and this is why we need to hear so that we participate in the work to bring healing to this country. We've got to reach out. You've got to talk to the person who doesn't look like you. You've, you've got to be intentional to have friends that don't look like you. Everyone's biased. I think there's that, that doesn't go away. It's, you're always going to have a bias. It might not be a, a color bias. It's just you know, a kind of person bias, a neighborhood bias, whatever. But can you stretch yourselves out of the bias? Can you make yourself intentionally uncomfortable? Because you're not just riding around the sun yeah. on a rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you are an ambassador for Christ. You represent the kingdom. Every week, people get up early 
And they come here and they make themselves uncomfortable so that the, the well, not today, but the cafe usually is open. Kids ministry is check, the check-in. The kids ministry runs. The worship runs. The media, yeah. the tech, the video, the parking lot. And I thank you guys for that so much. You guys are making yourselves uncomfortable to make this happen. But now we need to start embracing a new uncomfortability. We need to embrace an uncomfortability to make uh, harmony happen visually through Jesus so that the world can see there's something here that they can't get out there. They get further division out there. In here, they get the blood of Jesus. In here, they get harmony and fellowship and communion one with another, regardless of our differences and regardless of our biases. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to say this as a black man because I'm married to a white person. And in the beginning, she was like, I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to say. And I, I just don't know what to do. And when God started calling us to, to be a voice, she, she said, I, I don't know what to say. And I told her, I don't know what to say either. <laughs> But I believe that this is a responsibility that God has given us as ambassadors. If you're white, I don't want you uh, to feel guilty. You can't feel guilty because of the color of your skin, just like I should not feel guilty because of the color of my skin. Uh, yet again, this is not a white against black. This is a humanity against evil. But I believe it's time to be intentional, to have conversations. I believe it's time to learn, allow yourself to learn. Like Pastor Tim shared, I believe it's time to be intentional about making sure that there's some people who don't look like you in your circle, in your immediate circle, so that we can be a powerful church, so that people can see a prophetic symbolism of heaven right here in the earth. So I want you to be I want you to participate, and this, yet again, this is not a white against black thing. This is the church taking responsibility. When I shared with uh, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim here, the Lord was speaking to me according to the message of Nehemiah. See, the walls of Jerusalem were in ruins. They were broken. And when Nehemiah heard the news that Jerusalem was in ruins, the Bible says he began to weep. Bible says in Nehemiah 1, 4 says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of, of heaven. And so I believe one of the things we have to do is just ask God to give us a burden for justice. Ask God to give us a burden that, Father, I don't want to sit on the sidelines anymore while this is happening. And the other scripture I love is Proverbs 31, 8 to 9. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. When I hear this scripture, it, re it reminds me of that picture of George Floyd, ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. Yet again, I am more hopeful than ever before because we're doing this because the church is rising up. And as a black person, one, two, as a black person, Pastor Tim, I want to thank you because now it doesn't feel like I'm fighting alone. Mm. I already feel safe. Come on, somebody. Mm. Because God is doing a new thing. Yeah. You know, I, wanted, I, wanted, I want him to share this because it was very um, gut-wrenching to me. He's from Malawi. He's from Africa. And so one of the things that he told me was, if things get so bad here, he can go home. This, this actually isn't home-home. Um, but there's so many black people that have been, uh, <laughs> most of the black people in this country have been born here this this is supposed to be home. If it gets worse here, there's no other home to go to. That's why this matters. That's why this is 
For our sake, he, that is God, made him, that is Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the message of reconciliation. We were at odds with God, born at odds with God, born separated. Our sins, Isaiah 59, our sins have separated us from God. And here's what the prescription is. God took Jesus and put him on that cross at the hands of wicked men, but according to the foreknowledge of God, Paul says, he put him on that cross for you, for me, for Zenzo. See, we, all of us, were rebellious. We, all of us, were fallen short of God's standard of righteousness. None of us are good, none. And the gospel message is not, hear me, God loves you. Now that's true, God loves you, but that's not the gospel message. We don't get saved because we suddenly realize that God loves us. We get saved because we realize that God loved us enough to send his son to the cross, to bear our sin on himself, to bear our shame on himself, to pay the penalty for our sins. That is the gospel. That is what heals your heart. That's what provides the solution for the hatred that you have toward God and the hatred that you have toward your neighbor because you know that the love of God was made manifest in your heart through the Holy Spirit and demonstrated by Christ on the cross. This is not, it's not just kumbaya. Is this moment, please don't interpret this as, oh good, the church can get together, black, white, kumbaya. No, there's no kumbaya without the, without the Son of God dying in our place and taking our punishment and bearing our sins and then burying them in the grave. That is our message today. Social justice without Jesus is a fail. Amen. Amen. Because you can rescue one million women from sex trafficking, but if you don't put Jesus in them and they end up in hell, we have failed. Yeah. You can rescue two million orphans from Africa, but if you don't put Jesus in them, we have failed. Yeah. Jesus is the priority. And my prayer, we don't 
do this racism thing like like you shared and and, and just end there there's yeah. a there's a there's a movement of social justice in America that needs Jesus yes that's because right because if we do everything just trying to save people and save the world but don't tell them about the savior that we have failed let's preach the gospel what's one of the greatest things you can do to fight racism preach the gospel because when hearts are changed they'll do better in Jesus name yes hallelujah you know what I know we got the soft spiritual music cueing us to end, but I just want to continue one little portion of the conversation <laughs> that we had, you know, and, and you just touched on it there, that there is this social justice movement that is devoid of Christ in our country. You can't be ignorant of this, okay? It's trying to fix the fruit without dealing with the root. And there are systemic things that have happened through laws and economics in this country that have hampered and held back black people. But there's also the problem of immorality in our culture. And I see it this way, I'll tell, and this is black, white, and brown. We want to have our cake and eat it too. We want to have our sexual morality, our irresponsibility. We want to live a perpetual adolescence and do whatever we want, sleep with whoever we want, live however we want, and then we want to blame all of our culture's problems on racism. But that's not right. It's, there's also personal responsibility. Our hearts have to be changed so that we live righteously. We need fathers being fathers. We need mothers being mothers. We need uh, marriages staying together through thick and thin. Loving children, disciplining them, raising them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. That's going to heal any society when we start to live righteously before God as God has made us righteous before himself through Jesus. And uh, I don't know if you want to say anything to that, too, about that. Because you did mention that to me, and I said thank you for mentioning that. Because I need to hear that from you. I need to hear that from a black brother. And Because I always do it, but I always think, I need my black brothers to stand up and say something about that, too. Because I can, I can see the confusion around that. Yeah, absolutely. There are systemic things that have to be addressed. I believe that. But there's a growing movement, especially among the young people. Uh, and I want you to know that the gospel will always be a priority. And I want yeah. you to know that every effort that human beings are involved in outside of Jesus, I uh, fail. Uh, so we have to prioritize the gospel. I, I, we, we are a holistic people. There are things we have to do. We have a lot of work to do on a practical level. But let's not neglect Jesus. Amen. I want to preach Jesus more than ever before. Pastor Amen. Tim, what this has done to me, all these things that's happening right now, has made me to want to preach Jesus more than ever Amen. before. Amen. Hallelujah. So, the last thing I just want to ask you, ask you the last service is, you know, practically speaking, beyond just preaching Jesus, because we're going to do that, and you all help me do that every week. Thank you so much for those of you who serve and those of you who get involved. You help me and everybody who stands up here preach Jesus. But beyond that, what do you think we can do? What can, what can white people, black people, everybody in this audience right now, what can we do to start being a healing agent practically. So we have to rise up and be Nehemiahs, which simply means we don't neglect what's happening in our world. Let's ask God to give us a burden. And I want to pray before we end here for God to give us a burden as a church to rise up again and stand on the gap. Number two, we have to have conversations. I appreciate you calling and just saying, let's talk. It's healing for me to share these stories because yeah. I couldn't share them before. Yeah. That in itself is healing. Uh, I also believe, yet again, we have to be intentional about welcoming people who look different than us into our circles. Uh, we have to be 
comfortable with being uncomfortable in this season. <laughs> we have to rise up and, and welcome the conversations and, and have conversations. And I thank you as a church for just allowing this to happen today. It's something powerful. God is moving. Also, I believe we have to pray. Racism is demonic. I pray that we just don't have conversations and not pray. Let's pray and ask the Lord to heal our land. Let's repent on behalf of our nation. Let's continue to have conversations. And then finally, please speak up. Speak up. And I know, like my wife, that many people who are white had no idea that these things are still happening in America. And I believe that part of what God is doing now is that he's exposing the enemy. Please be part of that movement that's exposing the enemy and saying, we're, not, we're no longer going to allow this to happen in our nation because God is doing a new thing. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And then the conversational piece, let me just speak to that for a moment because I've had more conversations, like I said in the beginning, uh, with people of a different color than me than ever before in my life. It has been life-giving, shocking, change, mind-changing, and illuminating, and at the same time healing, even in my own heart, to say, we, this is what the gospel means. This is, what the, this is what the love of God demands of me, that I reach out. If you're uncomfortable reaching out, it's what the love of God demands of you. Reach out anyway. It'll get easier. You reach out the first time, and it may be a little bit uncomfortable. And then the next time, it's like, oh, it's not as uncomfortable as before. And uh, I've had conversations not only with black people, but with police officers. I, I've been talking to police officers because I see this, this is now a police versus black thing. And that's not the case. There's a ton of, most cops are great. Most of them are doing their jobs, doing the best of their ability, and they need our respect, and they need our submission to their authority. Yes. And, I, and so I was intentional with reaching out to cops. So there's this guy, he's a police officer in our town, and he parks right over here in our parking lot, and I can see him from my office up there. So this has been going on for years, he parks over there. I don't know if you know if it's the same police officer, but it's been there, a cop car, a cop car has been there. So because of all this, I decided, you know what, let me go down there and say hello to him and let him know that I, I pray for him and I thank God for his service to our community because I'm sure that right now they feel, they feel like grouped in and lumped in as one evil group, and that's not right either. And so I came down and talked to him and heard his story and I saw a man that, that needed to just hear that the world wasn't against him yeah. and his heart was open. Yeah. And then he started asking me questions about this church and about me and about what we do here. And I told him about Jesus. I told him about what we preach and what we proclaim. And, and in, a, in that car, in that day, on that sunny day, a couple days ago, he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ right wow. in his cop car, right there. <laughs> Gave his life to Jesus. Wow. Here's why I say that. Here's why I share that. Because I think that right now, more than ever before, people's hearts have been ripped open. It's our time to step in and say, Jesus is the answer. They're more open than ever before. Don't let this news media culture shut your mouth. They're, people are people. And all they need to know is that you care about them. And once you show that you care, you can bring the healing agent of the gospel into their heart. Now is our time to speak up.